Good morning. Today we are continuing our journey, uh, asking the specific question, what is Mount Hope about? Last week we ticked off the sermon series simply asking that very question. What is Mount Hope all about? What is your church about? And today, uh, as we are moving towards creating this corporate identity, as, uh, uh, as we discern where God might be leading us, uh, last week, uh, we looked at Ephesians chapter 4 and we discussed what, uh, how a church needs to look like. What is it to be a faithful church? Um, and even as we were looking at uh, some of the things that the scripture was teaching us, we also reflected on this past uh, couple of years as to how we as a church continue to care for our children and our teens, our, um, our adults and our older adults by creating new opportunities of ministry. Uh, in some ways, uh, when I reflect back uh, on the past two years, uh, we were kind of reacting to what was before us uh, rather than uh, chasing after a goal. So we're entering this season kind of with the eager expectation of trying to figure out, okay, where are we going and what do we expect next? So last week, we ended the sermon, uh, the scripture, by looking at the most counter-cultural thing that you can do as a church, uh, as a Christian person. The most counter-cultural thing that we can do is be united. We need to be united as a church. There is so much divisiveness that is happening all around our culture. Uh, for some of us, we cannot even talk to our friends or family members uh, because there is so much division that is there. And we come to church, uh, we come to this place knowing that we are all on the same platform. The reason we are united is we are all standing on the same platform. We are all sinners in need of God's grace and we come to that table, the Lord's table, where God's grace is given to each one of us. God's grace is dispensed to us. So friends, this morning I want to invite you to a time of prayer, to a time of discernment, if you will, as we set goals for the future of our church, that you would continue to pray for the members of this church, the leaders, the staff, the pastors, uh, so that we can hear God's nudging on our souls, so that we can be the church that God is calling us to be, so that we can find, we can continue to live out what it means to love our neighbor and to care for our community. Will you pray with me? God, we come before your presence asking you to open our eyes uh, to your spirit's leading and calling. May we hear you. God, reveal to us. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. So friends, today is... Today is Super Bowl Sunday. It is the unofficial holiday <laughs> of, uh, uh, of America. Uh, today we get to eat junk food and yell at TV. For most of us who are watching the Super Bowl today, we kind of watch the Super Bowl with this attitude saying, eh. Right? Eh. Because the Eagles are not in it, right? And... Um, but no matter who you are, if you're watching the Super Bowl, you, you're going to pick a side. You're going to pick a side, whether it be, you know, I personally would like Matthew Stafford and the Rams to win because Matthew Stafford prayed for the uh, Detroit Lions um, for um, 
all these years and poor guy he suffered so much <laughs> he really did <laughs> like come on you know let's let's do this for this guy or you know some of you might be saying no that won the Bengals to win because you know since the 90s late 90s the Bengals never won anything you know this is good for the Cincinnati Bengals it's good for the city of Cincinnati right or if you're like my son Josiah he came up to me the other day and said, Dad, we won the Bengals to win. And I said, why? He's seven. And he goes, because its mascot is a tiger. And we love Bengal tigers, Dad. Let's go Bengals. It's <laughs> like, okay. Right? No matter if you're a fan of football or not, maybe you are, you're going to be cheering for one or the other. Right? And in some ways, I think the Super Bowl is doing what I was talking about. Despite all our differences, it's still bringing us together to make us watch a game, right? Tomorrow, if you're not talking about the Bengals and the Rams, maybe you're gonna end up talking to your friends about the uh, Doritos commercial, saying how dumb it was, how stupid it was, how clever it was, God only knows, right? No matter what, it's bringing us uh, together. This event is bringing us together. And NFL has done a good job. It really has, it's done a good job in bringing the whole nation together, if you will. You know, yes, there's a lot of money invested in it and, and all that and bragging rights and everything, but today is Super Bowl Sunday and here we are talking about it. I want Mount Hope to do something that brings us together as well. We don't quite have the budget or the manpower of NFL. We're maybe like a couple of million dollars shy or more, <laughs> right? You can, you know, just a little gap, little gap. Right, Donna? Just a little gap. <laughs> All right, I want us to come together uh, by being part of a community that celebrates life groups or small groups or Sunday school. I like calling it life groups because I believe that these groups that come together are truly life groups. They are life-giving groups. The scripture we read this morning discusses... Um, that the disciples were doing three, the early Christians were doing three things. Um, the early Christians were doing three things. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, prayer, and fellowship. And I want to focus on those things. This is what verse 42 we read, uh, Acts 2.42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. All right, let me give you a quick context as to what is what has taken place right before this scripture is being read and said. Right, Acts chapter two, we look at uh, the story of Pentecost. So the Pentecost story goes like this: Jesus was here, he lived a life, he taught a lot of things, and on Good Friday he passes away, he's put to death. And on the third day, Sunday, he risen, he's risen from the dead. And for 40 days, um, the risen Christ walks with the disciples. In certain scriptures, we see that Jesus uh, sat with the disciples, ate with them. And on other occasions, we, we hear that, the that Jesus opened the eyes of the disciples for them to be able to see the scriptures as they were written. And right before Jesus ascended into heaven, Jesus says to his disciples that they should not leave Jerusalem, that they should wait for the Holy Spirit to come. 
So 10 days later on the day of Pentecost, that's 50 days after the risen Christ, on the day of Pentecost, we see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the disciples are able to speak in different tongues. And these disciples were telling the story of Jesus so that people who are gathered in Jerusalem from all over the known world were able to hear the story of Jesus as to how Jesus is God. They were able to hear their story in their own tongue. That was the miracle of the day of Pentecost. And following that day is what we hear in verse 42. On that day when Peter preached, on the day of Pentecost, we hear that 3,000 people were added uh, to the church that day. And so, in verse 42, we read, they devoted themselves. They devoted themselves. In this context, these new Christians devoted themselves to a couple of things. What does it mean that they devoted themselves? It means that they did something regularly. The day where they were committed to these actions. I want to emphasize this here. That these new Christians devoted themselves to these practices. And these practices were not necessarily happening in the temple, but rather in each other's homes. This, is, this was not necessarily just the temple worship, but this was something that happened all through the week. It was not just happening on a Sunday morning. It was happening during the week. First, we read that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The teaching of Jesus. Jesus taught many wonderful and beautiful things, and the disciples heard the teachings of Jesus firsthand. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Here, we cannot say that we follow Jesus, or we cannot say that we are Christians and not intentionally spend time learning from God's word. You know, I often speak about the importance of reading scripture and personal devotions. Yes, this is absolutely crucial, and we are all called to do this. Each one of us is called to do this. But Acts 2, verse 42, is a little different. The reason it's a little different is because here, these individuals who are coming and devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, they're not necessarily talking about personal devotions. They're talking about reading God's word in the context of community. These Bibles that we have in our hands, in our phones, they were not available to all individuals up until Gutenberg in Germany. That's about 500 years ago. Till that point, the entire church, whenever they gathered together, they read scriptures as a community. For the past several years, I've had the opportunity to read scripture together in the context of communities with you, with this church family. And when we read scripture together, I ask a very simple question. It goes something like this. So what do you think about this verse? It's a simple and yet beautiful question because the minute I open that up, there is this beautiful, holy, sacred moment where we begin to dialogue and see what this particular scripture means to us. And some of the conversations that I've had uh, during those times of Bible study, I was, my spirit was lifted up because I was able to see the scriptures in new light. 
the Spirit of God was speaking to me in those moments, and I felt encouraged when I read Scripture with you. Friends, we need to read Scripture together. We just cannot come to church and listen to a sermon for about 20 minutes and say, I'm good for it. Yes, corporate worship is really important and key. And it's important for us to come here and worship our God. But friends, reading scripture in the context of community is essential for our Christian journey. Second, we read that they devoted themselves to prayer. Last week in Ephesians 4, I spoke about what it means for us to bear one another in love. Ephesians 4, Paul commands us, say, bear one another in love. And one of the ways we can bear one another is by praying for one another. In the context of community, you can hear each other's prayers. When you're part of a life group and about five or ten people are sitting together, we can hear about the challenges that each one is facing. We can hear about what are the things that we are in need of and we can lift each other up and we are hurting in the context of that community. In the context of community, we can care for one another. We can lift each other up. When a prayer request is shared, the next week, you can go to that person and say, Hey, I've been praying for your colleague who lost a loved one. How is she doing? Or you can say, Hey, I've been praying for your son. I hope he had a good week. We can care for one another. And when we do this, when we do this, in the context of a life group or a Sunday school class or a small group setting, there are two things that are happening. First is without realizing, you, your prayer life is becoming much richer. Now you're no longer just praying for a parking spot to open up right in front of the giant door, right? You're actually praying for your neighbor and you're caring for them. And when you pray for them, when you go back to them and say, I've been thinking about you, I've been praying for you, you are showing compassion and love where each person is surrounded with love. In those moments of care, we are called to be a community and we can continue to bear one another in love. Finally, we read that they devoted themselves to fellowship. I was reading uh, several biblical scholars as I was uh, preparing for this sermon. And one person raised this question, this uh, scholar, she was leading a Bible study uh, and she asked a similar question that I would have asked. So what do you think about this passage? And somebody uh, from her Bible study said this, I wonder who was doing all the cooking was the question. I wonder who was doing all the cooking. Think about it. In verse 42, we read, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, and breaking of bread and prayers. I wonder who was doing all the cooking was this question, person's question. Because if you think about it, there were 3,000 people added to the church. And these 3,000 people are showing up and reading scripture together and praying together and breaking bread together. So who is doing all the cooking? Right? A good question to ask. This is what happens when you're in a Bible study with other people. So I think this is my response to that question. I don't think all 3,000 people were showing up at one place. 
I think they were in small groups. I think they were in life groups where five or ten people were gathered together in one home. And they were able to break bread together. It's a whole lot easier to cook for five or ten people than 3,000. They were breaking bread together. And they were fellowshipping together. Christian fellowship to me is this analogy that I have. What does Christian fellowship look like? The analogy that I have is Christian fellowship happens on the sidelines. You might be asking, what is this all about? So before I answer that question, I want to ask you this. Have you ever been to a basketball game or a soccer game or a football game for your kid, your nephew, grandson, anybody? All right. You've, you've been to those, you know. And we are there. Grandparents want to cheer for their kid. You know, and be there and yell, you know, and all kinds of wonderful things that we do on the sidelines, right? You've done that? Or am I the only one who, like, really obnoxiously cheers? Okay, anyway. Um, but while that is happening, there's something else that happens on the sidelines. Yes, we're there to watch our, our little man, little girl play. But... There's something else that happens on the sidelines. We begin to talk to the person that's standing next to us. Yes, we're watching the game saying, yeah, good defense. And then we start talking. Like, does that ever happen to you? Yes. Right? And in those conversations, right, in those conversations, that's when we learn about what the other person is doing for their hobbies. You know, in the next game that we show up, we kind of have that follow-up question saying, hey, you had car trouble last week. How you doing? Is your car fixed? We have those conversations. But on a Sunday morning, on a Sunday morning worship service, we know who sits where. Do you all know who sits where? Yes? Do you know Andrea sits there? Kim sits there? <laughs> right? <laughs> We all know who sits there. Powell's right in the middle, in the back there, not quite, right? We all know who sits where, but do we really know what they do? Right? Do we know what their hobbies are? We can recognize them. We can say hi to them in the grocery store. I'm not negating that. But a worship on a Sunday morning doesn't give us the context to build those relationships, those sideline relationships that I'm talking about. Because here we just sit, we hear a sermon, we pray for each other, and we go home. And there's not much of an opportunity to build relationships. A couple of months ago for Bread of Life, um, John Blair and I were, um, he's a member who comes to our early service. He and I were standing outside in the parking lot helping people uh, with parking. That's all we were doing. We were like, you know, if somebody came in, we'd say, okay, go stand there, wait for a couple of minutes, and then we'd like slowly send them in uh, to pick up their food for, uh, for the month. And as we were standing there doing that job, we started to talk about different things. And I learned a lot about John that day. I learned that he played uh, football at a collegiate level. I learned about some of the things that are important to him. That's the sideline conversations that we need to foster, that we need to have at Mount Hope. Yesterday, we had a beautiful, um, absolutely wonderful night at the family night. We all kind of came together. We ate. We break, broke bread together. We just hung out. And we had a blast. We laughed hard. 
And it was wonderful. It was wonderful to watch young kids, older adults, all coming together at one table and laughing and giggling together. Friends, that's a sideline conversation of fellowship. That's what Christian fellowship is all about. And friends, I want to invite you, I want to urge you to be part of a small group. Starting next month, we're going to be launching several small groups here at the church. And I would love for you to be part of one of them. That you would just put your hand up and say, I'm going to do it. Especially for those who are introverted, you're like, I don't want to be with people. But this is important. (laughs) This is needed, friends. For us to be in fellowship with each other. Let us pray. God, we come before your presence um, with thanksgiving. And we ask that you would give us the courage this day to be in community with each other. That we would grow uh, to be in community with each other. That we devoted ourselves to the apostles' teaching. To prayer and fellowship. God, we ask all these things in your name. Amen.